Blog Talk Radio. Are you a parent with a newly diagnosed child with autism? Are you looking for answers on how you can help your struggling child? The online training course, Discovering Behavioral Intervention, is the answer. Real parents take you through applied behavior analysis in 10 step-by-step modules. Learn more at youdiscovering.org and follow them on Twitter at youdiscovering. We are very proud to have Mayor Johnson as our sponsor. Mayor Johnson is the world's special education super source. The Mayor Johnson sale is on. They have incredible, drastic savings on hundreds of products. So go to MayorJohnson.com. That's Mayor-Johnson.com. Follow them on Twitter at Mayor Johnson and visit them today. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Special Needs Talk Radio Network. We provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs and child-adolescent mental health communities. Thank you for joining us tonight. And now, on to the interview. Good evening. My name is Dr. Richard Selznick, and I want to welcome you to School Struggles. I am proud to be a part of the Coffee Clutch team. On, I'm having a little feedback here, sorry. On School Struggles, we talk about a range of topics, including learning disabilities, dyslexia, special education, ADHD, and a whole host of other interesting topics that affect your child. I'm getting a little feedback here. Sorry about that. Anyway, it's the goal of this radio show to, to that we talk in down-to-earth, plain language. Oh, hey, Gene, are you there? I'm here. Yeah, I'm getting a lot. Of, are you getting feedback on your end? No, no, I'm not. You're getting it on your phone? I don't know where I'm getting it, actually, so I'm very sorry about that. Let me lower this. Ah, okay. Sorry about that, everybody listening to it. That was uh, technical difficulties at its finest, so here. (laughs) Thanks, Gene. Anyway, um, on this show, we talk about a range of different topics, learning disabilities, dyslexia, school struggling, and... um, We've had great guests on tonight, and I'm ex- in the past. I'm very excited to have Gene Volker from the West Coast, from Seattle, Washington. Gene Volker is a reading and writing specialist in Seattle, Washington, and as the founder and principal teacher at Reading Before School, she has taught Seattle area children since 1985. Ms. Volker is the author and curriculum director of Reading Raven and Reading Raven Volume 2, and that's Reading Raven like the bird, Raven. These are top-selling and highly effective learn-to-read apps published by Early Ascent, LLC, and available through Apple. Ms. Volker holds a bachelor's
Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Washington and has completed postgraduate courses through Vermont College of Fine Arts and Stanford University. In addition to teaching, she enjoys writing fiction, and some of her stories have appeared in anthologies. Ms. Volker can be contacted at readingbeforeschool at yahoo.com. And also, she can be reached, the Reading Raven, which is a wonderful app, I've previewed it myself, is at www.readingraven.com. And I just want to say that I met Jean when my book, Shutdown Learner, came out a few years back, and she was one of my first, what I'll call a fan, so I'm excited to have her on because... You know, I thought that only my friends and relatives might read the book, and it turned out Jean from Seattle had picked up on it. So for me, that was quite a thrill to have someone be on my local fish pond, and she was one of my first ones. And we have become pen pal friends and and colleagues since. So, Jean, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Richard. I want to talk a little bit about... Yes, (laughs) thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I wanted to talk a little bit about how family routines change dramatically when school starts. And for some families, that's a breeze, and for most of us, it's an, it's something we have to adapt to. The um, children might might be um, intimidated, if, especially if it's a new school. But uh-huh. even if it's not a new school, it's going to be a new teacher and sometimes new students. So first of all, I think we want to, as parents, teach attitude. We want to teach our kids to have a really positive attitude, and the way to do that is to have a positive attitude ourselves. Now, if we say that school is fun and school is exciting, you're going to learn so many new things, you're going to meet many new friends, um, this can carry over to them. If we say, uh, gee, I never liked school, um, guess what? The child will want to be like you. And so you want to really keep it positive. So step one in terms of starting the school year on the right foot would be to, in a sense, check your own parental attitude. You want to make sure that you as a parent, I think if I'm hearing you correctly, that you as a parent have the right mindset, the right attitude that you're conveying to your child. Is that accurate? Yes, and this includes uh, talking up the school and the teachers having respect for the school and the teachers and the classmates and respect for themselves through the way that you talk to your child. So let, let me um, ask they, you this. They're really in, listening. <laughs> they, so, they so let me ask you this in a kind of curveball question. So what if yes. you were the kind of parent who, by the end of the school year, were kind of frustrated and a little bit angry with how your child was being treated by the school and you're starting the school year a little bit you know, with a negative attitude, what do you? How do you get over that as a parent? What, what advice would you give a parent about, you know, getting past that that kind of feeling? Well, we can think of this as a new year. Uh, you're going to have some new personnel, usually a new teacher, and this is another thing too. We need to communicate with this new teacher, especially if our child has special needs, so that uh, everything is clear as far as what accommodations you might need. The communication with your own child and the school is paramount. So, so, a good, so getting, so getting through, communicate, and I, you know, when my reading of this, in terms of starting the school year, that word came up all the time. Communication, communication is paramount, and I. It's funny because I think about 
things are different than we'll say when we were teachers or younger you know younger in the business there was no such thing as email communication um, do you encourage parents to communicate that way to to the school or do you find that sometimes teachers feel like they're being inundated with that what's your advice about that well i think if you have something important to say it's very important to let somebody know and you know if there are situations that are happening that need attention i think it's fair to go talk to the school and keep those lines of communication open. And with your child, too. I want to tell you about a mistake I made when I was a new parent. I mean, we all learn from our mistakes as parents, and nobody starts out as being a perfect parent. So when my first little girl first went off to school, and here she'd been, I think, already to kindergarten, but she was now starting first grade, she came home one day, and she said, Mama, somebody hit me and kicked me at school. And I responded, as my parents would have responded, and said, and what did you do to provoke it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and she she looked right at me and she said, nothing. I didn't do anything. And at that moment, I realized that I had to believe my kid. Because I could tell she was telling the absolute truth. You know, I never made that leap with my own children. <laughs> I, I, you know, whenever my son is, you know, said I didn't do, I, I never quite believed it. So, you know, I still, I still would go old school and, and say, you know, what did you do first? I, I'm still subscribing to that. Although I think that you make a good point. Well, there's no now, you make for a second point. A, a you know, classmate. Anyway. Yeah. When, when you, <laughs> you sent me your, your the list of. Uh, you know, starting school, you're right, you're, you know, beyond positive attitude, what what else was on your list in terms of getting parents in the right mindset? Well, I wanted to um, to mention just before we leave this, this part of the topic, there are um, a couple of books that might be helpful for people with young children. Some of the teachers in schools now are using a book called How Full Is Your Bucket by Tom Rath and Mary Rickmeyer. And this it helps the kids to know that when they say something positive to a classmate, they are helping to fill that child's bucket. When they say something negative, they're emptying the bucket. And you know, uh, that, yeah. You know, I just want to stop you for one second because I'm. You know, I, I think that for especially for young kids, having that kind of you know literature and and those kind of books available is great. And I think that that sounds like a wonderful book to to have at home, and I guess teachers are using it in, in school as well, right? Yes, and then they have discussions about it, and they'll even ask at the end of the day, who who helped fill your bus- bucket today, and they'll tell. That's great. That's great. What's <laughs> some other ones? Uh, there's one called Cake Girl that my daughter introduced me to. Uh, Cake Girl is by David Lucas. Now, the protagonist in this story is a witch who has no friends, and then she learns why she has no friends because she's not nice to people. So she yeah. she uh, she learns to that she needs to treat people more kindly if she wants anyone to like her. This would be for preschool and kindergarten, first grade. So you know uh, we're we're on you know, keep you know framing us in 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 a sense starting the school year right and getting us off on the right foot. So what these books would accomplish. It would seem to me for parents 
to have these would be great kind of bedtime reading books to help you know, you know get the kid in the right frame of mind yes, of, yes. thinking about how how they're interacting with each other um which you know obviously is is so important yes is uh, and I'm really happy that schools are paying attention to this now when I was in school it didn't you know we were just um on our own now the next yeah, and nobody cared about your bucket back then, Gene. Nobody cared about no. your bucket. There was no, <laughs> your, your bucket's empty. Go deal with it. Forget about it. But your buckets, you know. That's for sure. Go, yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted to say that the school is a child's job. It's their, it's their career, and it's very important. And we need to treat it as important. School is not something we do just between vacations. Uh, it's something right. that's, um, it's, it's forming your child. So, okay, so when you say it's proper. a child's job, what do you, now, now this is your second uh, point for the school year, so I want to you know, punctuate it. When you say it's the child's job, what does that mean? To elaborate on that a little bit. Well, um, parents often have jobs where they go to work and they are expected to do certain things on a certain schedule, and uh, this is very much like what a child has to do. So if it is their job, then what should, you know, how do you get that across to them? And especially for kids who, you know, fall down on the job, like a lot of the kids that, we have con- that we're concerned with. How, what, are, what are some things that we, you would be telling a parent to help them, not nag them, not to nag the child about, you know, you have a job, it's your job, but how do you get them into that right mindset for, for this job, so to speak? Well, I think if you treat it seriously, they will too. I don't think we we need to lecture them, but mm-hmm. um, for before the job, they need to have proper equipment. They need to have pencils with erasers. They need to have a backpack, and and usually um, the stores have all the same backpacks. So if you can try to get one that's not identical with everyone else's, this this really helps a lot. Uh, save a lot of grief. They need lunch. They need shoes that won't fall off. Uh, I don't recommend clogs or these little plastic flats that are just um, easy to fall off. So you don't want these kids flopping around the hallways? Is that it? <laughs> well, they could get hurt. You know, oh, okay. they're on the playground and they fall out of their shoes or, or they trip on their shoes. Um, the school might request that a children's jacket is um, has a name, their name in it somewhere and their other equipment. I... I actually like the uh, personalized pencils that you can get sometimes, but they're not always available. Right. So, so, so basically, this point is that you, you, I think what you're you're emphasizing here is you're kind of having the child understand that this is his job, and that these right. the materials and the equipment and the clothing are, you know, they, they they kind of provide a way of getting the child in the mindset for doing this job, right? Yes, yes, yes. You know, when they, um, <laughs> it's it's very common now for parents to tell their child when they when they leave for school, have fun, have fun. Right. Well, <laughs> I was talking with a 92 year old friend the other day, and she said, my parents said, don't do anything to bring shame to your family. <laughs> yeah, but remember that they didn't care about the bucket back then. You know, that's part no, of that's what that right. was. Don't bring shame to the family. It's like don't embarrass us today. <laughs> Right. You know, there was a lot of so, wisdom back then. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not so, you know, I, I kind of believe there's a lot of wisdom in, in that. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. 
Well, and you want to support your child's physical needs, a good breakfast, a lunch to carry or a lunch ticket. Uh, if the child packs her own lunch, you check it because um, I met one child who carried potato chips and candy bars to school every day and nothing else. Her teachers were concerned, of course, and they contacted the parents. They were concerned enough because it was happening every day. Um, so, so what, what, what about the you know what about the classic kids who are you know they don't they don't want to you know they they're they're not following Mrs. Obama's healthy lunch plan and they only want to have a, a you know I don't know chips and some soda or whatever I don't you know what what would be your advice how to again not not <laughs> having parents nag their child to death but to you know get them in this mindset that food is fuel how do you how do you do this where you might have resistant kinds of kids who you know, um, aren't great eaters <laughs> I know what my daughter does uh right. I have I have a daughter who has three children in school okay. and she and she they talk about fuel they talk about this is how this is where you get your energy you know and right. um and and this and the kids know it because this and is how old are these about. children uh, well, 17, 15, and 4. Okay. Okay. I was thinking that I was already thinking that, you know, by middle school, they're already, okay, thanks, sure, Mom, right. Okay, well, it sounds good. You know, I'm glad that they're, <laughs> that they're older and maybe still listening. That's great. Well, That's good. <laughs> uh, it, well if you pack their lunch, then they don't really have Much uh, a choice to take. And, or, you know, this is, this is a matter of home training. You, you start early and you feed them nutritious foods. And mm-hmm. you don't have them expect um, ice cream every day or soda pop, right. which I, I could go on about that, but I won't. <laughs> right, right, right. So, 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 so basically, in your this is a point. You know, so far we have getting. I'm just reviewing points that you have the positive attitude from the parents conveyed to the child, so that they pick up from the parent. Um, you know, a, a kind of mindset and a feeling about school. That was your point number one. Point two, that it's, you know, good to get across to the child that it's, you know, this is a job. This is your job. We all have jobs. This is yours. So they, And then the materials around them start to support that. And third, yeah. now we're on your point about providing, you know, having the child into a, a physical mindset that, you know, breakfast is important, lunch is important, uh, yeah. this is the fuel to get you through the, difficult day that you may, or, diff, you know, the challenges of school, let's say, right? <laughs> right. And now the challenge for the parent then, I think, is to have um, themselves organized enough, <clears throat> mm-hmm. excuse me, and have, you know, give your child early dinner, early bedtime, so they get that 12 hours sleep, or 10 hours maybe for teenagers, but uh, they need a lot more sleep than adults do. So we need to talk about time management, there really isn't All very right. much time between the end of the school day and bedtime. All right, now hold on a second here because I'm just reflecting on a bunch of kids that I've seen over the last, you know, whenever, bunch of time. And 12-hour sleeping, yeah, I, I think that that research does support that as far as I understand the, re- the sleep research to be. But they also have a ton of distractions around them in the form of cell phones buzzing and, you know, IMing and Facebook, whatever. How do you deal with you know those kind of distractions in terms of this you know getting the, the getting the idea across that you need to have a good night's sleep. What are you advising parents about that? There really isn't a lot of time for those distractions if you're doing your job because uh if you're going to have 
the child really should have some active play after school. If they're on a sports team, that takes care of that. If they have a dance lesson, that takes care of it, although I don't recommend uh, activities, you know, programmed activities five days a week. Uh, if they just go out and play in the yard, this is the best thing ever because they're outdoors and they're relaxing and they're active. Um, they need they need a quiet time to focus on homework. They need an early dinner. They need a bath or shower. They need a calming bedtime story and lights out. Well, for small children, this could be 7 or 7 o'clock. I mean, well, 7 or 7 Parents will love that. Seven o'clock, hear that, parents? Seven o'clock. Put them to bed by seven. You'll have a night ahead of you. Listen to Dean right. Bowler. He's telling you the truth. Don't that's, go to nine thirty, ten o'clock. Don't if do it. Up, if they get up at seven in the morning, they need to be in bed, so the younger children, by seven in the evening. You're really going old school on us here, Gene. Yes, I am. I am. And you want to talk about TV? <laughs> I do not yeah, recommend well. TV during the week. During the week, I think if you just make it a policy, I'm talking about little kids now. When they're older, mm-hmm. you might be able to compromise a little bit, but still make it very clear for older kids. Okay, you're watching one show in the evening, and that's it. Now, with the little ones, um, any of the TV and electronic play is just it's distracting. It's it's overstimulating, and it's can make them very lazy. I've, I've seen this myself. Well, I've, um, seen, I've seen pictures of your family, so I know you've done a good job by you, you know, implementing a lot of these concepts, so something worked. So <laughs> <laughs> something worked. What, now, what, what's your advice to parents, you know, in terms of, um, you know, I hear this a lot from parents. I know I have my own opinion on this, but I'd like to hear yours. Um, you know, they'll say, oh, I just want him to start his homework as soon as he gets home from school. What's your What's your view of that? Um, I think that's something that you can work out with the child and make decide what, what they're most comfortable with because some children like to come home and sit right down, do the homework, have it done, and not have to think about it anymore. Others desperately need to play outside or do something active before they sit down. Um, they've been sitting quite a lot in school already. So to, especially if they have a long ride home and then to say, okay, sit down. I think that as parents, we should give them some choices about how they want to schedule things, but with the understanding that these are the things that need to be done and this is when we need to have them done by. Yeah, you know, even though it was the dark ages, I still remember being a boy. And the last thing that 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 I wanted to do upon coming home from school, and I mean the last thing, was to start my homework. And I could I could remember how dreadful that was, and how resistant I was to that. So you know, I tend to believe, on average, I know that each family has their own circumstances and their own evening schedules and things, but on average, it's best to let them have some fun and no work time. Um, and you know when they come home from school, the problem that I see though is I still you know I think more than another era, they're coming in and then going straight to electronics like video games or um, you know cell phone stuff, iPads, whatever. You know I see that a lot. So your point would be that those simply are not allowed during the week. They're they're off they're off limits. I think that's your basic message, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is, and I, that's, I know that's a little hardcore, 
But um, if you establish that early, then they expect it, and you'll all be happier for it. Yeah, you know, I th- I want to echo that. I mean, uh, we, you know, we, my wife and I would like to believe we raised two very nice kids, but I think we, you know, we struggled with it, video game stuff uh, along the way, especially with our son. And you know, I think that if we had started early, just like you said, and said, "Here are the rules." You know, the rules are such that, you know, they're Monday through Friday. There isn't video game playing and you know, iPadding, whatever. That you 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 know, you have to get outside and run around and play. That that's going to happen, and you have to set that tone early. But if you don't, then you're going to pay the price down the road. I guess that's that's your message as well. Correct. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, there, there are so many wonderful things to learn, and there are other things to do besides, you know, get on your electronics. Yeah. Hello? Um, hello? Yeah, hello. Are you there? I'm here. Okay, good. Um, tell me, what's your feeling about, you know, we're still on this point about time management in a lot of ways, but I want to bounce off of a couple of these other ideas. Um, what's your feeling about the scheduling of childhood? You know, uh, you said something about that before extracurricular activities, do you think that kids are overscheduled and would you advise parents as they approach the year, school year to kind of turn it down a bit or what? what's your feeling about that? Well, you know, the, uh, there are all kinds of families and some don't schedule anything and some schedule mm-hmm. everything. I've, uh, I think it's very important not to overload your child um, I have met children who are on three playing on three sports teams in the same season. Wow. Now, can you imagine? Uh, they, you know, the children are so overtired and they tend to get a little rebellious because it's not their choice. Right, right. It's like the parents have imposed it on the child. You're saying. Right, right. And so, for a younger child, I think maybe one after-school activity a week would be lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, that I mean that would be just fine, but to have something every day is uh, <laughs> it's crazy. I've I've tutored kids where they are expected to do something after school, and then there's another activity after dinner, and then they go away. The whole family goes away for the weekend, and right. you think those kids are doing well in school? No, they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you you know in the end, what I think what your point is is not good for any child, and it would probably, my guess would be, particularly for the kids that have trouble inherently with time management, uh, you know, root- needing routines such as those with ADHD or learning disabilities, that these, that kind of over-scheduling and overdoing and running around is particularly lethal to that to that type of child, I would imagine. I totally agree. Uh, they they are already stressed out from just getting through the school day. Yeah, before, now, go ahead. No, I was going to say before we move on to the, to the next point, um, I have one more question about the point, you know, still in this time management one, because it's something that comes up a fair amount, in the, and it actually came up today with the family that I was talking to regarding, you know, the, the child was actually somebody who took a fair amount of responsibility for his homework, but it went on forever. You know, this was a child who was like in middle school who worked four, five, six hours of homework in part because he was, you know, he it wasn't that he was fooling around, but just what just took such a long time. And, and it just seemed so over the top to me in terms of the amount of time that he had to deal with. How do you handle 
sort of the overworkers, the ones that just don't stop and that, that go on far too long. Do you have any advice on that one? Uh, either he has too much homework or he's spacing it out with uh, something else, um, daydreaming or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I learned a really good trick from the school. My my youngest daughter went to a private school. My other girls went to public school. So I have uh, good experience with both. But I learned a good trick from her little private school. They had, when the, they started this at a very young age, when the kids came brought their homework home, they had 20 minutes to do as much as they could. Okay. And when they when the 20 minutes was finished, they were to stop there. Well, mm-hmm. something for a responsible kid, that's hard for them to stop there. <laughs> but um, for um, for anybody else, maybe that's fine. But what uh, what they do, why they do that, is because the kids challenge themselves then to see if they can get more done the next time they have 20 minutes. Okay. So this is um, this, and this works very well. I uh, suggested this to one of my clients recently, and she said, yeah. "Thank you so much for telling me that." It's a very interesting approach, but do you find that kids sometimes I find that they get maybe it's done differently where they have parents set a timer or something, but the kids get overly stressed or something when they're you know they feel the timer, you know, clicking down or whatever. Do you don't find that it creates too much tension or stress, but they, they, they learn to manage the time better? Is that what your experience with it has been? Well, another trick I've used is, is if you want to use a timer, there's a right way and a wrong way to use a timer. If you are, and this maybe contradicts what I just said, but if you're, say if I'm working with a child and they have a page of work to do, and it's just it's just um, selecting and and uh, mm-hmm. circling and maybe a little bit of printing, and I'll say let's time you and see how long it takes to do this page, and so we time it and it was two minutes and ten seconds, and so when they come to that same type of page again, uh, right. we time it again and then they they see that they've actually gotten faster, so rather than having to beat the clock, which is stressful, just yeah. keeping track of how long this, th- does this take and, um, whoa, yeah. let's see how long it takes this time. It always, yeah, you know, it always yeah. improves. Yeah, you know, I think that it, I think that you, I think they're great points. I, I, as you're talking, I'm just picturing a lot of different, with having a lot of different reactions, such as it seems to me that part of what you're talking about is the value of all this is it teaches a child a sense of, time estimation, time management themselves, you know, that they start to, oh, this is a five-minute task or this is a 15-minute task, and they start to absorb that understanding, which I think that's the underneath message here that you're giving. Yes, yes. We have which a is lot very of, valuable, uh, I, I would think. I mean, most of us as adults, we struggle with, you know, especially ADHD <laughs> adults, and, you know, most of us struggle with this, you know, how much is this time is this going to take and, and not understanding how to break things down. So um, I want to uh, – great points. I, I, the next one you have on the list about responsibility, can you, can you speak to that? Yes. Um, too often in our culture we expect our children to be more responsible – then they're really ready to be. And I, um, I've i heard of some young students not doing their homework, and the parents shrug it off and say, 
but it's his responsibility. Um, this is this, well, first of all, we have to teach responsibility before the child will be responsible, and we teach it by showing them what responsibility is. I have a little story about a child I tutored long ago when I first started tutoring. I would go to people's homes, and I was tutoring a five-year-old child after her kindergarten class. And often when I arrived there at the babysitter's home, the babysitter would say, Katie forgot her lunch again today. And there the lunch sat by the door, and uh, Katie was hungry. And so I asked the babysitter, can you remind her to take it as she leaves in the morning? Incredibly, the babysitter said, oh, no, it's her responsibility, and sometimes I remind her, but then she just forgets the next day. And I figure if she goes hungry a few times, she will will remember, Um, but it didn't teach her. This this doesn't this right. doesn't teach. The way to teach uh, the know, child. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. The way to teach the little girl is to hand her the lunch every day as she walks out the door, and then she gets the idea that this lunch needs to be with me every day when I leave. Mm-hmm. She's not old enough to think about what's going to happen at lunchtime. You know, I, it, you, there's so. I think that part of what you're speaking to is. You know, there's a, a bit of I think insensitivity toward developmental norms. You know, I'll hear this a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'll hear this a lot with, especially the ADHD style children. You know, because in a sense they are functioning at a younger level. And yeah. one, so, so let's say they're 13. Well, I'll hear things like, well, he should be able to you know, organize his backpack. Well, he should, or Katie here in your story, she should be, well, no, she shouldn't. She's five. (laughs) Since when is a five-year-old responsible? She's a five-year-old child. So I think your message is not to spoon-feed children, not to give them, you know, not to indulge them, but your point is to understand where they are developmentally so that you're not, you know, you're not asking them to be doing too much. You have to find that zone where of competence. I mean, if Katie is quite capable of making her lunch and organizing everything at five, well, God bless her, I guess, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and but, for older you know, kids, then too. Not that many five-year-olds that I know of, and probably not even when you were a kid, Jean, you know, where, where I was a kid, where, where you know, we were, you know, <laughs> in the empty bucket. I would have walked out the door without the lunch. <laughs> right, exactly. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So I but, think that, you know, that this point to remind parents too. about developmental norms is very, very important to keep keep reminding them of that. Yes, yes. And the um, the older kids, too, might need mm-hmm. a lot of help with organization. It's, it's, it doesn't mean, you know, just because they're 14 that they know how to organize. You you, you help them, and you, and you can put charts on the wall. You can put... Um, you can put in a calendar up with all the school activities, another calendar up with assignments, so that you can actually... What, 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 about, what about people in their 50s? <laughs> <laughs> well, I... <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I'm like, I mean, I do think when you're disorganized, you're disorganized, and that's your point. You know, the, people will tell kids, go clean up your room. The kids that I know, that I work with, they don't know how to do it. You have to start and show them... I want you to put these things in this box. Oh, okay. 
I, I could do that. You're structuring them. You're cueing them. You're getting them to understand how to put things away. And it doesn't go away. It's a lifelong plague, I have to say, although my wife would probably say it's just pure laziness. But I think that it is a lifelong plague of disorganization that is challenging for people. And you need to, I think your message is that you need to kind of structure them in a bit, guide them a bit. Don't, don't do it all for them, but do some of it, right? Yes, yes. And by showing them how to break it down into small steps, um, a child can learn anything. This is how the Suzuki teachers teach the little four-year-olds and five-year-olds how to play violin. This is a complex task, but you break it down into very small steps. And then you master those steps, right? And then once you master those small steps, you just build on the ones you did before. Isn't that how it works? Right, right. And organization isn't that much different. Yeah, no, I think that that's really, really good stuff, and I think it's great advice. I think that we, and I, you know, you know we, as you say, it never yeah. goes away. I have a um, a month a monthly calendar that I keep my appointments on. Well, um, I need it. I could not live with <laughs> very, very well, and I would be missing appointments if I didn't have my calendar. Right, right. So it kind of keeps you when you and you're you sound like a person. And I would believe you would be who's pretty oriented toward structure and oriented toward organization. And these these things like the calendars and the stickers and everything else help to keep you on track. But I need them. So yeah, if sure. we, you know, if you need it, you right. you do it. We have seven minutes left. Tell tell me about your prepare for academic success with a listening and remembering game. I thought this was a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Um, this is something I I play with the younger children, but I can tell you one for older kids, too. The listening and remembering game, um, I have the child's mother sit across the room, and I have the child come to me, and I say, stand facing me and look at me and listen to what I say. I'm going to tell you two things. See if you can listen and remember. And so they'll say, yes, I can. So I say, run to your mother and walk back to me. So guess what they do? They run both ways. <laughs> so then <laughs> the mother gets a clue, <laughs> and so the child comes back, and I said, um, did you run to your mother and walk back to me? And then they laugh because they realize that uh, there were two different words in there. So then if they've, once they master two things, I ask them to try three. I'll say, walk to your mother and clap your hands and hop back to me. And it, it doesn't matter if mm-hmm. they hop on one foot or two. Um, so if they're ready for three, and I don't go beyond three, but right. if they're ready for three, you can make the three more complex. You know, you can have them walk backwards or do scissor steps or something like that. <laughs> but uh, they love the game. It's active, and and the mothers, if the child is really tripping up, you know, I'll say to her, well, now, when you say go to your room and get your socks, your T-shirt, and your shoes, uh, do all three things come back, and they'll kind of look at me <laughs> or laugh. Right. Um, so we we have to take one thing at a time. The, the nice thing about this game is that it shows sequence, so they don't try to... Um, walk and clap their hands at the same time, if they do, you realize realize they just need a little more work with sequence. Um, (laughs) So this is the game that 
so many children enjoy, and why not why not do it? Because you can see where they are, and practicing does help. Yeah, well, you know, I think it sounds, first of all, it sounds like fun, that the mom and the kid would have a lot of fun, especially the young ones. But you also and can briefly comment on the older one in a second. But, the, the, you know, it sounds like it would be a lot of fun between the mom and the kid or the dad and the child. And it teaches sequencing, like you said, and it works on active working memory. So rather than spend $4,000 or whatever for some training of active working memory, they can do it for nothing in the backyard. That's what your point is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There you go. See, parents, right. listen to Jean Volker. She saved you a lot of money there. That's right. <laughs> well, what was, how do you, you were soon to be running out of time, but what would be quickly how you would do the game for older children? I, well, you could make it a little more complex, but I wouldn't go beyond three or four steps at a time. And well, you also, you don't want to do too many game. in a row. If you do too you many in a row, then they start to remember the old ones. But there is a I, I game. I'm talking about the City Barani game, yeah. The City Barani game. This yeah. is a, this is an old old fashioned English game that we played as kids, and the, uh, the children sit in a circle, and it wouldn't have to be a very large circle, but you, because you just keep going around, and say, um, and you clap your hands, and you say, I went to the fair at City Barani, and when I was there, I bought uh, an elephant, and the next one might say. I went to this fair at C.D. Barani, and when I went there, I bought an elephant and a feather duster. So you just keep adding things, and each person has to remember the whole list. So, of course, it gets uh, to be quite a long list if you play for a while, and um, you find out you know, how, just how many things you can remember. You know, rather than call this episode tonight, um, start the school, you're right. I should have said it's something like going old school with Gene Volker. They don't even know. <laughs> they don't even know what a feather duster is, Gene. Come on. Feather duster. <laughs> but do oh, they know boy. where C.D. Barani is? <laughs> oh, yeah, C.D. Barani. I had to look that one up, too. So anyway, <laughs> um, and the last point that you're making here on the list, which I think is a wonderful one and one that I'd like you to echo as we start to fade out here, would be to celebrate successes. So talk about that for a second. Oh, absolutely. And a one celebration minute, Jean, one can minute. be <laughs> a celebration can be something just as small as attaboy, uh you did well, just a little yeah. compliment. It has to be a sincere compliment. Or just good try. Um right. nice if you going. praise good the try. effort yep. if you praise the effort, they will keep on making an effort. And that's the thing I, to praise you know, is the effort. I had a boy come in today, discouraged little guy, because he was not getting football time. And, he, you know, I took him outside. We, we, we had to toss the ball around outside of my office. And I, he, you could tell he wasn't – he certainly could see why he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. But I encouraged him, like you just said, out of boy, take one step. And he, he started to really lighten up. You could see he walked out all energized. Mom, can we throw a ball around when I get home? That kind of stuff. So I, I think that, and parents tend to lay this stuff on a little thick, which is what you're you're saying not to go too heavy. You know, just little right. things like, "Ah, boy, that way to go. That's the way to, way to do it." Gene, we're really running out of time here. You have you're so much, so many great points of wisdom, which I think you know, parents to start the school. You're right. There are so many little nuggets running through this that are, that are wonderful to hold on to. And, I, and even though I'm joking about the old about old school. 
you know, there, there's a lot of wisdom in the old school. And th- I want to thank you, Jean. You're welcome. And, you know, parents learn as we go. And if we any anytime we can help them, um, it's yep. great. I'd like to invite you to visit Jean's website again, which is, um, Jean, tell it to us one more time. ReadingRaven.com, right? ReadingRaven.com. Yes, yes, three W's, yes. Right, yes. and reading before, if you want to contact Gene, it's ReadingBeforeSchool at Yahoo.com. I invite you to visit my website, which is www.ShutdownLearner.com, and be sure and visit www.TheCoffeeClutch.com to listen to the wonderful hosts and talk about the, that talk about a variety of child topics. And remember to support our sponsor, Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R, Johnson, and our other sponsor at www.udiscovering.org. That's the letter udiscovering.org. Um, next month, my guest will be Dr. Betty Osmond, the author of No One to Play With, The Social Side of Learning Disabilities. I want to thank you for listening to this show and appreciate your working through any technical technical difficulties that I may have had, but it was a great conversation, Gene, and thank you again. Take care, and good night, everybody. Good thank night. you for inviting me. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Bye.